always listen to us at normal speed. There's just or leave nice... really even half speed. Just get get every little detail. Yeah. Richard, Paul, how are you? I'm doing good. We're we're figuring out how to record remotely using our Yeti Nano USB microphones. It's a nice little device. I like it. I do too. I, what, what's key is that it sends the audio out through your headphones. I can hear you really clearly, and like I can hear myself. Anyway, it's not about. This is not about gadgets. Well, I want to talk about product management. Oh God! I don't think this is the moment. I don't. I don't think people are listening to this podcast to. Well, I want to talk about workflow. Actually, speaking of workflow, how are we going to get ventilators to New York State? What are you talking about? This oh is Track God. Changes, a technology podcast. No, everything's, everything's different for a minute. We have to kind of broaden the broaden the scope. I know. Hello, everybody. I hope everyone listening to this is in a healthy and relaxed place and figuring their world out. You know, I think what's been interesting is, and I don't want to dwell on this, but like our industry is surprisingly, not entirely, but surprisingly okay. Well, yeah. Digital is what everyone's leaning on right at this very moment. Technology is a big deal for people today. The whole world was moving towards sort of an experiential, you know, people buy experiences now and well, and I think just literally everybody's on their, everyone's on their phone all the time, right? Well, experiences like experience. are hard right now. It used to be like, get yeah. off your phone and live life. And now it's like, it's okay. Use your phone. Yeah, use your phone. <laughs> Have you noticed everyone's like, go ahead and turn off that screen time app. Just, 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 you're okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And everybody gets a pass for a while until we get past this, so... Yeah, and it's just, but so it's a little strange because like we're home and busy and doing our stuff, and then you just get this sense of like wild catastrophe. Yeah, how are the how are your kids doing? My kids are great. It's hard. We're adjusting. My kids are seven years old and five years old, and that's not easy. We're sort of figuring out cadence. We're figuring out how to let them kind of blow off some steam somehow, some way, but it's hard. My son is in the other room as we're recording doing distance learning, and I, I go and I look on his Chromebook. Also, by the way, there are not enough computers for kids in the public school right now. They're going to get like 300,000 iPads next week, but it's like this is a boondoggle unto itself because like half of his class isn't showing up. So I actually just said that I've been like finding old laptops and wiping them and putting Linux on them and distributing Oh, you're like, so happy. Uh, that part actually does feel good because what, no, but you know what? I just want to talk about it for one sec. I know that everybody's at home dealing with their. It's own worth stuff. noting we are in New York City, where this is logistically, from an education perspective, far more challenging than pretty much anywhere in the United States. I mean, there are 1.1 million New York City public school students. Both of our kids are in public. Both your your kids and my kids are in public school. Correct. And, um, and so there are, when you send your kids to public school in New York City, what that means is that their classmates, they don't have the same things at home that you do. They don't have spare laptops and they don't have fast internet. And you're just really, I'm really aware of it right now. And, I, you know, things you can do to close that up are, are really helpful. But I do want to say, so like laptops have been coming to the doorstep and we've been covering them, you know, we've been bleach wiping them and they've been bleach wiped before they get there. And then I open them. See, it's up. funny. You say bleach wipe, and I hear I hear a piece of software that oh, actually like it's an doesn't app format the wipe. drive. But you actually mean bleach wipe? No, no. Literally, I, I I bleach wipe them, and then you boot up 
Windows 8 machines that have self-updated to Windows 10. That is an unbelievable moment. And first of all, it's weird because you're like in a teenage girl's bedroom at that moment. It's like, like really, <laughs> it's because it's the older sister's machine. Yeah. And it, it, it's like, you know, really hot young dude's screensaver. And you're just like, what? Where am I? <laughs> like, what? What's happening? Oh, like, I'm no. a, and I'm here to install Linux. And, you know, like I got the password. And I, it's just a lot of signal I wasn't ready for. And then you let it boot into Windows because God knows how you get into the firmware on an HP pavilion. It actually turns out you hit F9 once a second while it's rebooting. But that yeah, there's always that key combination at the and you got to go look that up because it's no. different for every machine. I'm like losing my mind. And so you let the Windows, you let that Windows startup happen and it plays a little song. And then it is like something from, it's like they've slowed down time. Like it's the, the worst. Like one icon starts showing up on the desktop and then like five seconds later, there's another one. And it, it kind is of, it's unbelievable. It's like a movie. Like it's just like, you're like, oh, there's the start bar. And then you start to click things and it's like, no, 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 just no, that, no, but no, then no. Candy Crush shows up in the like start menu. Uh, like, how did you, who invited you to this right now? Like this machine is crawling on its knees and hands. How oh, is no. Candy Crush wedging its way into this process? Everybody is running in there as fast as they can. So then I finally, you know, figure out the firmware, boot from the USB drive, and you install Linux, and it's just like, it's like a little pokey on an old machine, but it's fine. It's just fine. Well, it'll go get, work. I mean, I Yeah, think, I go and get know. Chrome and Zoom, and it's like, everything's fine. I mean, that's all they need. I mean, it, it is highlighting, though, and, you know, this is not the moment to be overly critical of remote learning and the tools they're using and whatnot, but... It's been, what's the word I'm looking for? It's been really sort of back of the mind and not really priority. And nobody's like, oh, this is kind of neat once in a while. It should be a thing, maybe. The homeschooling industry or, or sector or whatever you want to call it is non-existent, more or less, from a business perspective. So these tools are garbage. I mean, it's bad. It's really, really, really bad. And, you know, I, I'm an optimist and I like to think that on the other side of events like this, we learn a ton and we stick, some things take hold and they stay. And that's okay because they should have been there to begin with. One of our larger clients, it was unheard of to use Zoom. And then Zoom took over and they made Zoom happen in like four days. And you know what? They could have made Zoom happen in four days. Change can happen. This is an, what I call an, an ask for forgiveness moment. Not an ask for yeah. permission moment. You know People what you're are seeing barreling too. through to try things to keep things working, you know? You know, I've noticed this like people on Twitter who are disabled going like, you know, we've been asking for work from home for like a decade. And sure. Um, and everyone's like, sure. well, it just doesn't work, doesn't work. And yep. now they have it. And, and they're like, yep. you know, thanks, I guess. Yep. I guess this is it. It's almost, I have empathy for both sides of the system, right? Like, like, obviously, the disability rights people have a very strong moral case. And then the big organizations, it's just very, they can't get out of their own way. And then an event like this happens, and it's existential, and suddenly everyone can unlock the challenge. And I think what's weird is, you know, we're a small business, so we live in a world of existential threat at all times. And I don't think people process that about like a 60-person company. But you just always feel that the world could come and take it away 
at any moment. And you have to run the business that way with a real sense of a rainy day coming. You mean for, for Postlight? For Postlight, right? Yeah, like, we're if, a small, young agency with a handful of clients. Yeah, existential is sort of part of our mindset as ma- in terms of how we manage the company and, and make it healthy and durable, and also, so to speak, and through different every times. single small business, man. The minute I see uh, small business owners kind of relaxing and going like, well... Yeah, don't worry too much about quality or don't worry about this or that. And you're just like, and then like two years later, you find out that the outcome wasn't that great. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Sometimes, you know, how do you put the risk calculator in the drawer, right? This is a moment like, well, this isn't useful right now. Why am I calculating risk? Like, let's just go. What can happen? That's the status quo is so severe. All the kids are home. We got to do a thing. We got to do something. So they just start picking up tools and trying stuff. They do these, I don't know what they call them, where they run simulations, so to speak, of disaster. Like, you know, municipalities do this sometimes. Oh, sure, and, sure. And there's a lot of different science and thought yeah. around this, right? And, and there was more of that. Do you remember all the, like, the terrorist attack exercises that were going on for mm. the years after 9-11? And those kind of died off. Operation Jade Helm, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, there's war, there's war games, right? There's always been war games. Yeah, but you know what? Humans get, they they just, they they get relaxed. They're, the shoulders go down and they're like, you know, it's, this is good. We're good. I think well, we're there's good. Two, there's two relevant <laughs> stories here. One is we have this wonderful global warming client who is is focused on increasing awareness around climate change. And his point, and we'll have him on the podcast at some point, but his point is so good, which is just like, we have never known the disruptive event. And actually here, he's like, with the, with the pandemic, he's like, this is it. Like, this is what it looks like. This is the thing I've been telling people about. <laughs> yeah. But the other thing is there was, uh, we can look it up, but there was this war game. And so, so like processing that has been interesting, just even as someone who's already yeah, just really a, paranoid. Just a thought on that. I mean, to me, I feel like the message around climate change has been, it's coming, right? Yeah. It's coming and it's getting worse. And they try with the charts because 2019 looks worse than 2017 and so on. Mm -hmm. But it feels so slow. And humans, I think, assume they'll figure it out and they'll have enough time. And, you know, you get framed as alarmist and whatnot. We've always solved it before. We've always solved it before. What's interesting about this, it feels like the climate change narrative, like, you know, when you can hit 5X on your podcast player and listen to everything really fast, it's not that different, except what happened here was 2000. Don't do that, by the way. You're going to miss some really important details and funny jokes. So March 5th, March, no, let's, let's go back. Feb 15 was 2012. Yeah, that's right. The Feb 15 of this pandemic is the equivalent of 2012 or 2010 of, of climate change. Essentially, in, in America, honestly, China had a little bit of warning. We, we might have done a little better at paying attention. To me, it's the exact same psychology. Oh, it's it totally the, is. We've got time, and I don't know. Is We don't know if this is really correct. It might well, look, be wrong. We, the studies we might always be come off. Under, we always come under terrible criticism for American exceptionalism, right? Because we are kind of an awesome country in our own, in our own heads, and that exceptionalism that and that arrogance allows us to make and do really awesome things from time to time. But it really it's it's got us in a pickle now. Like we we looked at the world and we were like, no, no, no that virus is going like that's their problem. Yeah, but I don't consider this an America. To me, this is just human psychology around the world. There right, are many fair, other fair. countries that have been caught flat-footed here. I, I just think humans in general, um, would rather not 
live in a paranoid state and in a defensive state and rather are we're naturally optimistic and then here we are right i mean people keep looking at numbers right now and those numbers really reflect two weeks ago they're just a snapshot of what actually occurred a while ago as if they yeah, were it's right. real time nothing is real time like that's the thing we're already no, like the the behindness doesn't register for people but that's that's the truth right the, the data uh, we I have think- is not for the moment you know, we're so used to things getting solved, right? And it's just, there isn't a solution. There's no answer. It's just going to take, not only are we two weeks behind, but this is going to go on for a while. It's not how we're wired. You know what it is, Paul? The number one enemy of anything, I think. I mean, I'm a manager and, and I, I, I oversee teams and I oversee other people who oversee teams. And the number one enemy of anything is losing focus, right? Is distraction. <laughs> I have bad news. I know. This is the thing, right? I, you know, and usually you can avoid that through, look, there are things that happen in people's lives that cause distraction. Like, you know, I have to go and have a baby and I'll or see I'm, you later. Or I'm having, I'm having surgery. Or I'm having surgery or, or I've checked out. Like that's, that's harder to pick that up happens. right? when you're a manager and, or you're a leader and you're like, you know, something's off. This person seems elsewhere when you're talking to them. You know, a tough oh. one actually I have small children, and everyone pretends like somehow that isn't a giant ambient source of static in your life, but it is constant. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, you figure out how to accommodate, but it is is a real thing. And now we have the mega super distraction. Exactly. Exactly. And And one of the ways... You know what we should say? It's more important than work. Like surviving a pandemic is more important than your job. Yeah. And I think the other thing I'm realizing, I'm slightly older. I'm 50 years old as of this recording of this podcast. You look good, though. I got to say. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're looking good. And I've been through some stuff. We moved a lot when I was young, never really had a lot of stability. For a lot of people who are in their 20s, even 30s, there's no precedent. I think they're trying to orient themselves. I think there's there's anxiety. And also, they also want to signal out that, hey, I'm here for this job because I think people are thinking about their jobs on top of all of that, right? Oh, so, yeah, of course, of course. So it's a lot. It's it's just a lot. And what I'm trying to do, and this isn't my style, to be frank, Paul, what I'm trying to do is really get into their heads and whatever I'm putting across, really conveying it as secondary to what they're going through. And that, I think, is the best thing we can do. We can send snack boxes. We can tell people to, you know, take an hour and go for a walk or do whatever and, and clear your head. Well, you but know the what best sa- thing we no. can do is deprioritize I mean, the thing we're saying, so used to prioritizing. Look, there's there's always been this aspect of work-life balance where like the big company says, hey, work-life balance, they always have to kind of put it in terms of the bottom line. So it's like, we value your happiness because happiness is worth 17% more, right? <laughs> right. And that kind of bullshit, it, like it has its place in giant orgs. And I mean, it's better to yeah, have- It's not a, flying right now. No, it's better to have a healthy snacks program than not overall, right? <laughs> so it's like every everybody kind of goes with it. It's like, cool, I get my gym discount. But that is just bullshit in this moment. In this moment, and we keep saying it in the all hands, like prioritize the health of yourself and your family before anything else. And there's a part of me that whenever I say that, I'm like, what am I risking? You know, I say that out to the whole world. I say, and I I go, oh, God, is this going to hurt us? Are we going to be okay? 
But the reality is, who gives a shit? Yeah, I, look, I think the intellectual property that Postlight possesses that it gets to sell to the world is its people. So we yep. are a very particular kind of business, right? I don't yeah. have, you know, if I was producing, what do you call those pillows that you put around your neck? Neck pillow? Yeah, that's a good bet. That's a good bet. Okay. If I'm producing neck pillows for people who travel a lot, oh, huh. it's kind of a different conversation. Can you imagine right? they're all hands meetings? Yeah, and that's terror, right? Like that's sheer terror. And as a leader, what you want to do is absorb that stress and not give people, not project fear and stress and anxiety. But look, it's neck pillows in a warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you can't talk around that, right? That's hard. And so we feel incredibly fortunate. Not only are we, you know, a consulting firm, but we're also one that isn't as tied to marketing campaigns and consumer-centric uh, and stuff. We're actually, we're doing the thing that people need more of right now. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, deprioritizing as a leader, you know, hearing people out and understanding that you're negotiating with their mindset and their, their mental health is a big deal. Well, here's the puzzle, right? Because our job is to always put the company first. And the way you have to do that right now is to put the company second, is let people put the company second. Yes, yes. A product manager at Postlight said to me recently, I'm really looking forward to this. I was essentially debriefing him on a, on a, new, on a new engagement. And he just paused and said, I'm just looking forward to digging into this. You know, and oh. he was welcoming it, right? He was welcoming the, viewing it as, as a distraction, as feeling productive. When you're a passive observer of the news right now, and there's like that bit of drool on the corner of your mouth, you feel pretty useless. I think the worst thing for somebody inside right now is 12 hours of free time. Oh, yeah. That's oh, a yeah. really bad feeling. I've for been sure. there in my life. Like I was, I was unemployed after September 11th, and I was, I'd been working in Israel, and I came back here, and my company was shut down. And I had to find ways to keep busy in, you know, starting on September 18th, 2001 as a yeah. freelancer. So, I mean, that year I made maybe $14,000. Like I just yeah. barely covered my, yeah, yeah, my yeah. rent. It's a bad feeling. You get through it, but you got to stay busy. I think that's when I did a lot of my blogging. Unless you do something, you're really in a pickle. The, of course, the nice thing about that time is as screwed up as it was, you could at least go out and have a drink. Yeah. <laughs> This is true. Like, I'm, I've, I've been making dry gin martinis for myself. Yeah. But how, running out of glasses. right now would you like to go out to a bar and just have a couple right now and talk about post-light, like, which is what we normally do? Well, my wife did it with like five of her friends last night on Zoom. They all, yeah. And, and it just doesn't cut it, right? It, they, all had, they all said, make your drink, be ready by 9 p.m. and we'll all get on. Well, no, we're, we're simulating our day-to-day -day lives while we figure yeah. out what the new normal is. Yeah. I think there are two, two takeaways here, and I think this is something a lot of businesses and a lot of companies, and there are some people who listen to this podcast that are outside of technology and whatnot. The first is put your company second. That sounds counterintuitive. It sounds insane and dangerous, but it actually isn't. And people will really, really appreciate you for it. And the second point is give people work. They want the work. You'll tell them, hey, don't worry too much, but they actually want to worry. They want to worry about your business. They want to worry about the smaller things that they usually worry about. And so put that work in front of them. I wouldn't extend that first bit of advice, which is put your company second, to mean give people less work. I think people want to keep busy. They want to keep their brains active well, right now. You know what I'd say also too is like a little productivity hit here is to be expected. Like you're just going to get... No one, including you and me, is, is, is fully there in the way that we are when we, you know, we were no. a month ago. Yeah, 
to everyone out there, be safe, take care of each other. If you're a business owner, I hope you're in a, in a position where you'll be able to weather this and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a yeah. good week. And I mean, it's worth I want, saying. I want to pitch post light, Paul, but it, uh, I, I'm not going to. Uh, Here's all I would say. We're open for business. We also have a lot of people reaching out for advice and whatever you need. Hello at postlight.com. The, Great point. The same offer we always make goes yes. double in a pandemic. Just yes. get in touch. We give advice just on an in- inquiry. So yeah. talk to us. We're, yeah. You know, whoever we can help, we're going to help right now. And we try normally, but now even more so. So hello at postlight.com. And uh, we're going to keep this podcast going and we're going to uh, keep things moving. So we'll, we'll see you next week. Have a good week. Yeah, good luck, everybody. Stay healthy. <laughs>